Okay, we're gonna do a poll. And I like to start this way a lot, but you guys are sometimes bad about voting. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna evil eye you if you don't vote this morning. Okay, you gotta vote for one of these. Okay, there's, there are uh, two kinds of people in my mind. There are people who love sleep and there are people that are like, eh, I'll, I'll sleep when I'm dead <laughs> or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I don't like sleep. I, I sleep because I have to. Okay, so if you are a person like you love sleep, you like, like you've got to get your seven or eight, you love sleep, like you, you get in the bed, it's like your happy place. All right, if you're a sleeper, you're into the sleep thing, raise your hand real high. Sleep all over, okay. Okay, lots of sleepers in here. So I've got to be lively so you don't fall asleep. Okay, I get it. All right, how, how many of you are like, uh, sleep's okay, I guess I have to do that so that, you know, you know, I'll make it through life, but I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm gonna get there. Okay, all right, there's a good number. Okay, no, that, that's good. We could do like a, like a war thing. There could, there could be a battle over that. That's good, okay. So there's the sleepers and then the, like, I'll sleep when there's time for that later. Now, now here's the interesting question. Whether, th- this is interesting. Whether you love sleep or you're like, uh, sleep's not my thing. How many of you have ever had a moment where you've had a hard time getting sleep. Like you, you can't sleep for some reason, right? Right? It's all of us, right? We've all had these moments. Now, here's what we know is that sleep is a big deal. Our bodies actually have to have rest. We can't go very long. I mean, you can only do so many like quad shot you know, espresso, latte. I mean, you can only do that so many times before you become a crazy person and you're not trustworthy, right? On the road or like the decisions you're making or what you say to your spouse, it's all bad. At some point in time, you actually have to have sleep. We all have to have it. Rest is actually a thing that we all have to have. It's a part of everyday life. And the problem is it's actually an issue in America. There, more, 35%, more than a third of all people right now are struggling with sleep. This, study, this is independent studies done. Uh, over a third of all Americans suffer from some lack of sleep or receiving that recommended seven hours of sleep per night. Some of you snicker at the idea of seven hours. Um, uh, <laughs> of, of course, is, this is not be, just because of a lack of rest. What happens is that the, statistic, the statistics are actually mind-boggling. If you struggle with insomnia at all, you're five times more likely to fall into depression. So just the, the issue of sleep connected to depression. There's a rise in risk of heart disease, stroke, diabetes, high blood pressure, all linked to a lack of sleep and rest. 80, my students in here, 87% of high school students suffer in some way from a lack of sleep. 87%, that, I thought that was pretty high. And then I remember my high school years and I was, it was a problem. Uh, and, and it says that literally the, the study that they did said, each hour of sleep that a high school student loses contributes to a 38% increase in a risk of sadness or hopelessness. Yeah, it's not just your English teacher and their bad grade they're giving you. It's actually the issue of sleep and rest. Lack of sleep in teens is connected to obesity, learning and behavioral issues, substance abuse, depression, and anxiety, all these things. This issue of rest, the issue of sleep is actually a big deal. I think we can all probably agree on that. But more than that, we know that sleep isn't the only factor 
when it comes to the issue of rest. It's not the only thing. In fact, there's a broader issue of rest. It goes beyond just recharging our bodies and recharging our minds. And this is such a big deal. God himself actually makes a big deal out of the issue of rest. You remember, how many of you have heard of the 10 commandments? You heard of the 10 commandments? Anybody heard of the 10 commandments? You're like, I'm not gonna vote on your dumb question. Okay, I've heard of the 10, you've heard of the 10 commandments, right? All, now, you, don't, you probably don't even have to be a follower, you don't have to be a Christian or follower of Jesus to say, listen, the 10 commandments are pretty much basic. The 10 commandments are kind of base level how a, a, a good human might respond. I mean, just in general in life, right? Don't lie to people, basic. Don't murder people, basic. Don't commit adultery, basic. Don't steal people's stuff, okay, basic. Don't live jealous lives, basic. Don't profane God's name, basic. Don't worship gods or people or make idols or anything trying to play God, but they aren't actually God, right? It's basic, all right? Honor your mom and dad, okay? Just basic. Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Wait, what? Okay, so we have, you have these things that are all basic and then all of a sudden you come to this one commandment and it says, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. And all of a sudden you go, okay, wait, What's this thing? Sabbath, that's not, that's, that, that's not, it doesn't even feel like an English word. In fact, it's, it's not an English word. And you just go, wait, what is this thing? What is this thing? God has in the 10 commandments, God put this thing in and he wanted to look at us and say, hey, there's something that I wanna address and it's the issue of rest and how you rest and where it comes from. And this is in the fabric of our being. And so the Sabbath was God created what he called the Sabbath or this one day a week, this 24 hour period, this one moment where we pause, we get through all the stuff that has to be accomplished, all the stuff that has to be produced. And we have this one day where we come back and we say, listen, but not today. Today, I rest. So the rhythm of the Sabbath, it actually comes right at the end of creation. So before sin and messiness enters into the human equation, God builds this rhythm in from the get-go that you're gonna have six days where you're putting your hand to something, but there's a, there's a day, there's a moment where God says, listen, he himself on the seventh day, God rested. Now, does God need rest? Does God need sleep? Has God ever issued, had the issue with insomnia? The answer is no, right? God doesn't need rest. This is not the issue. But there is a concept of rest or this Sabbath that comes from the ability to step back from work, from all that you're doing and say, I'm okay. That what I did this week, I laid it out this week and I'm good. That in fact, what, what God said is he saw that his creation was good and on the seventh day, he stepped back and said, it's good. So I, I pause and I rest. There's a satisfaction that comes from the work that you did, but there's this moment or pause, this need that, listen, there's gonna, there's gonna be something to accomplish on the next Monday. It's coming. But there's a moment where we have to be able to take a step back and say, Okay, good. I've worked and I need to 
rest. There's a satisfaction. And so God builds this rhythm of rest in, and it's good. And it's this part, uh, this code that we have in our lives, right? God putting this into the Ten Commandments, this idea, this this is a part of the fabric of who we're going to be. It's basic. It's core to life. Enter Jesus into this equation. And so here's the deal. Jesus has this way of cutting right to the heart of God and cutting right to the, the heart of us. This is, what, this is what makes Jesus so amazing. He goes right in, he knows exactly what the heart of God is and he knows exactly what's going on in our heart. And he wants to deal with this issue of rest from a heart place. And here's what we're gonna discover. Those who encounter Jesus experience real rest. Real rest. And I'm, I'm talking about more than taking a day off. And here's what we're gonna discover. Jesus has something to offer to us that's more than making sure we have a day off per week. And it's going to come through an encounter with him. So what's happening is Jesus is going about his business. The religious leaders have seen what Jesus is doing. They can't stand it because he's not fitting their mold of what they wanted for a leader. They they don't like what he's doing. And so what they do is the religious leaders, they're called Pharisees, they're looking for an opportunity to catch Jesus and to say, you're not who you say. You can't be the son of God if you don't follow all of our rules. And so they're following around and and. These guys are just ready to argue about the rules. Now, do you remember when you were a kid? And it's possible that you, that you see this because you've got kids. And when you go out on the playground and you're, you're out there and there's no referee and there's no teacher and that you start, the kids start to play a game, do, do you remember what happens? You start to play the game And then literally 75% of your time, you're arguing with each other about the rules of the game. You're like, you you can't go over there. If you touch the tree, then you're out. And they're like, no, I'm not. I'm not out. Stamp that. And you're like, no, you can't stamp that. I erase it and double stamp it. And then you're just like, why triple stamp your double stamp? And you're just like, you're fighting about the rules. You're not even playing the game anymore. This is the Pharisees essentially, is they like to fight about the rules of the stuff and, and as opposed to actually getting to the heart of it. And Jesus wants to take them to task. And in fact, he does in Mark chapter two, you can look at verse 23. Mark chapter two, verse 23. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. Now, just real quick. The, the, the rule is, hey, you, you, you aren't plowing fields. You aren't going to do work. One of, the, one of the great works they had to do is plow the fields and gather the grain. So that was the, don't do that because it's the Sabbath. We're gonna take this day off and rest and pause. But the, the, they're just walking through. So they're not, they're not doing, they're not plowing anything. They're walking through and they're hungry. So they're popping these heads of grain for food. Pharisees said to him, So I'm assuming that the Pharisees are just like walking by. They're trying to find out what this guy's all about. Look, why are they, this is the Pharisees, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? So what what the Pharisees had done is, listen, they took what was the law about the Sabbath, God's 10 commandments, right? It's not not a law, it's a law. But they just said, listen, we're gonna make the most crazy rules we can possibly make to make sure you don't do all right, this is the attitude of religion. I'm gonna make sure you don't do the things you're not supposed to do. 
Okay, this is, and they've literally created, they had created lists of things that you could not do. And to this day, just so you know, if you go to Israel, you go to Jerusalem on the Sabbath, you can find yourself on a Friday night, you're gonna be, you're gonna, you're gonna find, you're gonna go to hotels. We've been there, my wife and I got to go. You'll go to a hotel and there's a regular elevator and then there's a Sabbath or a Shabbat elevator. And the Shabbat, on the Shabbat or on the Sabbath, if you go, there, on the Sabbath, it will, there's an elevator that goes and it stops at every floor because they have made a rule that pushing the fourth floor button is work and you can't do work. So there's a Sabbath elevator. I'm not kidding, this is, this is a real thing, okay? All right, now you're getting to the heart of what's going on. Don't, you do this and you don't do this and they're making all these rules, right? And Jesus is going, okay, uh, these guys are, these, my, my boys came through. We were a little bit hungry. We plucked some, some, some wheat here and he wants to talk to him about it. Look at what he says in verse 25. He answered, well, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So I love, what a powerful response, right? But here's what he's saying. Listen, you guys are fussing about these guys picking these heads of grain, but you don't have any problem with the fact that your king, the one that we exalt in the highest place in our nation, he was on the run from a murderous, crazed king, and he's running, and he's got nowhere to go, and he runs to this town. This is, you can find this story in Samuel. He runs, and he finds out, listen, we're, we're on the run. Could, we're, we're starving. Can we eat? And they're like, well, we don't have any regular bread. We just have the consecrated bread, and, they're like, and David's like, I'm good with that. Are you good? And, they, and, and they're like, okay. And so he, they eat the bread and, and then they go. And the truth is, is actually David was lying in a whole bunch. There's a whole bunch of stuff in that story. It's actually an amazing story. But, but the point is this is like, listen, you, you want to get on to everyone around you for not doing the rules, but you're okay. You seem to have a lax rule with not stoning the greatest king that our nation has ever known. So he's actually catching them in their own hypocrisy is what he's trying to catch them in dealing with their hypocritical hearts. And he says to them, listen, the Sabbath wasn't, this, the Sabbath was made for man. Okay, not, man was not created, it's, man wasn't created for the rule. So the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, there are two things going on here, two things. One is, listen, Jesus wants to clear up exactly what is God's heart for the Sabbath. And that's really what we want. What, God, what is your heart for this commandment, the Sabbath? That's what Jesus wants to bring some clarity to. But before that, Jesus wants to clear up exactly how people approach God at all. The beauty of Jesus coming to this earth was he was going to show us the way that the Father actually wants us to encounter him. That, in fact, if, there's, if you wanted to sum up what Jesus did, it is, I want to show you the Father. I want to show you what is in his heart and what he's like and how we're supposed to interact with him. And these are the things that he's dealing with, right? Because if, if we think about this and if we're 
being honest, even in our own hearts, the majority of the world relates to God in some way by having to show or prove themselves in order to, in order to be good. I have to be good or I have to do good things in order to be accepted. That's the most of the world operates this way. And there's, and there's, there's really thousands of variations of it, but it's essentially either there's a nationalistic approach. I've got to be a part of a group of people in order to be accepted. If I get in with this group, then somehow I can be accepted with God. Or there's this spiritualistic approach that if I can somehow attain a transcendent mindset, then I can somehow approach God. If I can get, if I can work my mind into this place, then I'll be accepted by God. Or there's this legalistic approach, which is, um, if I do enough of the things that I'm supposed to do, then I'll be right with God. These are essentially all the ways that people tend to think, this is how I get good with God. I gotta do, I have to become. We see it over and over. It's the same logic. If I perform, if I obey, if I achieve, then I'm accepted. If I perform, if I, uh, if I achieve, or if I obey, then I'm accepted. Here's the deal. The gospel is literally the exact opposite. It's in direct opposition. The, 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 the most normal narrative about how we can have peace and be connected to God in this world is in fact the exact opposite. And Jesus says, listen, I'm gonna turn the whole thing upside down because the gospel of Jesus, it's not only different from religion, it's, it's diametrically opposed to it because the gospel says, I am fully and completely accepted in Christ. Therefore, I am free to live with him. Therefore, I'm free to walk and to trust and to obey and to rest because I've been fully accepted. Religion says, prove that you are worthy. The gospel says, in Christ, you are worthy. Religion says, work your way up to God. The gospel says Christ's work has already brought you to God. Religion says earn your place of honor. You have to earn that place of honor. The gospel says Jesus gives you his place of honor. It's totally upside down. And so what you see here with religion is that you have to prove, you have to work, and you have to earn. Prove, work, and earn. So when the Pharisees come and they see Jesus's disciples not seeking to prove and work and earn, they go frantic. They go crazy. They can't stand it. And they run in accusation at their law-breaking, quote-unquote. You feel the weight of that moment where there's no rest in their soul at all. They're literally fighting for the Sabbath and they have no rest in their, in their bodies. The ones who are fighting for the rule of rest don't have it. They're not experiencing it. 
They think the Sabbath exists to prove their worth to God, to prove that you're good, to prove that you, or to prove that they belong. But that's not the Father's heart. That's not who God actually is. And what Jesus says is this, God made the Sabbath for you. Not you to serve the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for you to give you rest. It's not about a rule. It's about your soul. It's about my soul. It's deeper than sleep. It goes beyond just our bodies resting. There's a, there's a rest of the soul, if you will. I think we all know about that, right? We know that because you can go on vacation, right? And you come back and how many of you have ever said, I need a vacation from my vacation, right? We've done that. We love, my, my, we love, my wife and I, we love going to the beach. When we were engaged on the beach. We, our honeymoon was on the beach. We're beach people, all right? I've become a beach person by proxy because my wife is a beach person, all right? I love, but we love the beach. We love to go there. But we, live, we lived up until two years ago when we moved here to God's country, all right? We came from West Texas, which is, God's country? So it's, but just West Texas is a desert, but more than that, it's 16 hours from the white sugar sand beaches of the Florida Panhandle. Do you think that deterred us? <laughs> Not in the least. Four kids under the age of six, we don't care. We're gonna pile that minivan up, all right? We've got pack and plays and boxes of diapers. We've got all the stuff. We're gonna, and then you know what? That we can't, you can't drive 16 hours with basically four small children. That's insanity. So what do we do? We sleep from like nine to, to, to one in the morning and then we get up at two in the morning and we shove the kids in the car and then we drive all night long and we're like, just God, please. Just please don't let them wake up. Just whatever you do, God, don't let them wake up. We love these kids. Please let them sleep forever, right? And you do that and you just, you're just going and, and then you get them there, right? And then you're, it's just the week and then you're, you're navigating the, the nap schedules, but you're on the beach and it's awesome and you're, it, you're having fun and it's great, right? Until the day comes for family pictures. And family pictures, I just, I feel like, just God feels like family pictures are an abomination. It's just wrong. It's just like, man, it's like, we're happy playing. It's fun. It's sand, la la, picture day. Oh my gosh. We have to, you have to, and so you get the, your white shirt and the khakis. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You get your white shirt and your khakis, right? And one of my favorite, literally one of my favorite memories, we, we went with my whole family one time, my mom and dad, and my brother and his wife and kids and my, our kids, and my sister, the whole family's there. Huge picture, right? We're all there. We're taking our photos, just, you know, doing the thing, doing the posing and just trying to get it. And my one-year-old daughter is not having it. She's like, I'm done with this sand. And she's just like, and so literally we have in, in, my, mom, in my mom's house in Lubbock, just this amazing photo. Just everybody is like, and my, everybody's just smiling. And my daughter's like, ah, like literally if she could throw a middle finger, she would have thrown that like, I'm not taking you and your photos and I'm taking this sand. I mean, she's just angry. That's who, that's literally like, that's what she's, this, and this is what we call vacation, right? 
and we're looking for rest from the stuff. But I actually have, the, well, actually the, the, probably the biggest memory I actually have from that same, that same vacation, that same daughter, she finally had worn herself out. She literally hated the beach first time. And I, there's a picture of me and I'm just laying in a chair under an umbrella and she's conked out on, on me and just peaceful. Like, and she's finally resting to the glory of God. She's resting, right? She's resting and you feel that. Listen, you can have all the hours of sleep. You can have all the vacations you want to. That's not rest. And what God's trying to communicate with us is I, there is a rest that goes beyond the rule. It goes further than making sure you're getting your eight hours. And he's put this idea of Sabbath in because he's saying, I want to meet with you. And I want you to meet with me. And that is the place, that is the place where you will find your rest. There's that constant spinning that we can all feel. You can sleep at night, but if, you're, if your value and worth is tied to the worries that you have about the future, if you've got worries, if, you're, if, if it's tied to the, the performance that you have in the job, that constant spinning, if it's tied to the performance in your job, if it's tied to the relational stress that you experience with the people around you, those, those things are not, listen, those things are not fixed by eight hours of sleep. They're just not. Because those things are still going to be there when you and I wake up. There is a rest that eclipses us. And it's dealing with the stuff that's underneath the surface. And that's what Jesus wanted to deal with. The, the Pharisees are operating up here, do and don't do. And God's saying, hey, I wanna come down here. I wanna talk about the thing that's going on inside of you. Because there's work that goes on underneath the work. And that's what we all wrestle with, trying to find worth, trying to be justified trying to prove that we have worth, value, trying, trying to say, I'm, I'm good, I'm okay. And knowing that there's a hundred things that we can run to to try to find that worth and value, knowing that none of it ultimately gives rest, none of it actually satisfies. Trying to prove ourselves over and over, trying to convince God, trying to convince other people, trying to convince ourselves that we're okay and that we have what it takes. And so we will spin and spin and spin and spin. And the problem is that work is, is never ending. It's soul stealing work to try to have to prove. It happens over and over. The, and that work is never over unless we come to the gospel. We come to the one who has the answer. We come before the life changing presence of God. It's in the presence of God. And so God says, listen, the way that you connect with my presence is you, you keep that Sabbath in front of you. You keep that moment in front of you where you go, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be willing to deal with the, the work that's underneath the work. That I'm not going to look at my production for my own value. 
that the Sabbath is that mechanism from God that says, listen, no, my production does not define me. How well I did, how much I'm making, how far I've arrived, how good I'm killing it in marriage or with my parenting are all of those things where we have all felt failure over and over and over again, those places where we have fallen short if our worth and value is tied in the production uh, of making the relationships go or, the, or the, uh, the, the, the career go forward those things, if our worth and values tied there, then we'll just continue to spin and there isn't any rest in it. That's not what the gospel calls us to. Gospel is you can't produce one single solitary good action or thing to make yourself have worth or value. But God came to give you and me his worth and value. Therefore, rest in him. Take the weight off of all that you have to produce this week. Set it down and one day a week come and say, God, I'm not gonna be consumed this way. I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna come before you. Jesus isn't trying to get rid of the Sabbath. It's not what he's trying to do. He's actually trying to bring home the heart of it. If you, you look there in verse th- uh, ch- chapter three, verse one. So another time he goes into a synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath as if healing is doing a, an amount of work and therefore you're gonna violate the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill it? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and said to the man, stretch out your hand He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Jesus heals a man in front of them. And they go out to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. And you know this is a significant deal because the Pharisees are essentially the conservative group. Pharisees are like, we wanna keep all the rules, we wanna do all the things, we wanna keep all the traditions. And the Herodians are the liberals, right? The liberals, they're the ones that are like, hey, we're under a Roman's rule, we're gonna try to kind of make it and we'll bend some rules here and there and we'll just kind of make our way, right? So you've got the conservatives and the liberals coming together to kill Jesus. You know when conservatives and liberals are coming together, all right? When they're coming together to kill Jesus, Jesus has turned something upside down, right? You know it, you feel, you feel that that's actually what's going on. These are two groups that didn't like each other and they're going, how can we kill this guy? That's how much Jesus is flipping this thing upside down. And he's totally turning it over. And look at this. We see that Jesus feels this weight of anger because the very law or the commandment that's calling people to rest in God is being used to destroy people. 
And so we see that Jesus is saying, listen, the point of the Sabbath is to bring restoration and wholeness. That's what he says. Is it lawful to do good or evil on the Sabbath? That's what he's saying. Listen, the point of the Sabbath is restoration. The point of the Sabbath, the point of this moment of pausing before the Lord is to get filled up and made whole and right. It's what he wants to do. The point in these texts is not for Jesus to blow off the commandment. He wasn't trivializing. He wasn't diminishing it. Here, what he says back in chapter two, verse 28, he says, I am Lord of the Sabbath. Essentially what he's saying is this. Jesus is saying, I am the Sabbath. He says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. He said, listen, if you wanna know where rest comes from, I'm the Sabbath. I'm the one. All your nervous energy, all the constant commotion, all, all that motion, it must give way to that life-giving word that I have to give to you. This is what he says in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you, what does it say? Rest. Jesus is the Sabbath. He's the place of rest. And he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle, I'm humble, or I'm lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So here you have the Sabbath embodied, saying, come to me for rest. Now, the question is this, and we're gonna finish with this. How, how does that actually happen, right? What, what is the process for actually experiencing that moment where we intentionally step back from all of our work? We step back from the production we step back from the doing, because that's one thing, but that's not what God was calling. What he was saying is, there's an exchange that has to be made. And if I was just, if I were gonna give just one encouragement, what does it mean for us to honor the Sabbath and follow the heart of Jesus in this moment is to say this. It's one thing to have an absence of activity. It's another thing to come before God and say, Lord Jesus, I need you to speak your words of life over me. It's your presence that changes me. If, if, if I'm going to find rest in my soul, then there has to be an exchange. In fact, he, what he says is, take my yoke upon you. Take this. What that means is I'm giving up my own way. In fact, the heavy way of the world. And I'm making the exchange. So here's my encouragement to you. The Sabbath wasn't about sitting and doing nothing. It's not a categorical absence of activity. It is a heart condition, and it's this. I'm not gonna be defined by what I do. I'm gonna take, and I'm gonna pause, and I'm gonna say, God, you get a day. And I'm gonna give you this time, and I'm gonna make that exchange. I'm stepping back from my job or the desk or the office or my paper or whatever I'm working on to say, you have the words of life and I want to receive those words. And so what might it look like? I wanna challenge every one of us. When we encounter Jesus and he is the answer of rest, what might it look like in our lives to take that moment of rest and say, God, you, you, have, you have this moment. 
Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm all for days off and hanging out with the kids and playing ball and going hiking and all those things. It's not about, if you, if you have in mind sitting down and like sitting in a chair in the corner and thinking really hard or uh, telling everybody to shut up and leave you alone, that's not what this is. That's not what that Sabbath is about, okay? It's not about an absence of activity. It's the question. God, what do you have to say to me today? I don't know. I've done a week's worth of work, but I want to come and rest. And I understand that you have the words of life. And I want to make that exchange. So I'm going to pray for us and, just, and we're, going to be, we're going to be finished. And I'm just going to ask us to do that right now. Many of you, Sabbath is Sunday. So we're just going to take this moment, literally two minutes to just ask this question. Jesus, we're coming to you right now. It just, you, if you need to close your eyes, whatever way is helpful, and see yourself before the Lord and come to him. And say, Lord, I, I'm bringing to you all of the production, all of the doing. You might even have responsibilities for today. And the Lord just wants to speak a word of life over you. I'm, I wanna make the exchange, Lord. I'm gonna give you my heavy yoke. All the stuff I have to do, all the production. I'm gonna stop and I give it. And would you just receive from him? I'll take, I take what you got to give. What does the Lord want to give to you? Would you just even be willing to ask him, Lord Jesus, what do you want to say over my heart and my life? receive your rest. I thank you that when you speak, it's life. We receive your goodness. We receive your favor. We receive your rest. We just even breathe it in right now, the rest of God. It only comes from you in your presence. We pause. It's life to us. Father, I pray that you would just show us very real and practical ways we might be able to live out what was in your heart when you looked at the work that you'd done and said it's good and then you rested. Give us that rhythm. Would you give us a new rhythm? Would you show us what a healthy rhythm would look like for coming to you for rest? Thank you, God, for a moment to be able to do that. We've got... In a moment, we'll have some prayer partners down front. If you've been maybe struggling just to find rest and maybe you've got a lot going on or something going on in your, in your life or just in your heart, we'd love to pray with you about those things. But honestly, we'll pray with you about anything. They'll, they'll be down front afterward. Father, we just, we go now in the rest of Jesus. I thank you that when people encountered you, he was always giving so faithfully out of the riches of who he was so that we might receive grace upon grace 
And I thank you, God, that we receive now your rest and we walk in your goodness. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Blessings on you. Dismissed. We'll see lots of you tonight. And if not tonight, we'll see you next week. Prayer partners will be down front.